0: morning, church. Good morning. Um, Just before we get going, uh, I want to bring to your attention that Anita is 82 today. So Lord, I thank You for a godly wife who gave us Three children, seven grandchildren, and that present count, nine great grandchildren. So, Lord, we thank you for 60 years of marriage, 82 years of life for her, and 80 years of life for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. I had a <clears throat> joke I was going to share about prayer, but I decided to pray for her instead think that was a good choice. <laughs> so we started this series on prayer, and I'm going to talk about prayer, of course, but um, a, a little different angle than you might um, be used to. Um, this has changed my prayer life um, over the years, and I'll give you some testimonies and things like that, but um, You know, a lot of stuff that we call prayer today is really just asking God for stuff. You know, talking to people as I travel and minister, um, they're all about getting results and twisting God's arm kind of a thing. And so I want to give you just a couple things that prayer is not. And. um, One, prayer is not informing God about how bad your situation is over and over and over again. God knows all things. He already knows your situation, my situation. Um, So we don't want to just keep repeating our problem all the time. And prayer is not, as I said, twisting God's arm to try to get him to do something. God loves you, He's your Heavenly Father. Um, You don't have to twist his arm and try to squeeze something out of him. That never works. Prayer is, as Wayne alluded to, it's communing with God. It's really fellowshipping with Him. It's how we communicate with Him, basically. And... Prayer should be a dialogue, not a monologue, where it's, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, type of thing. You know, we are always asking for something. Now, asking for things is definitely part of prayer. Asking and receiving. But it's not the primary purpose for prayer, is all that I'm saying. And in most people's lives today that I've talked to, That seems to be the primary reason that they're praying because they are trying to get God to do something or trying to get something from Him. And that should not be the primary reason for our prayer life. Prayer is a dialogue. It's not a monologue where you're talking all the time. You haven't finished praying until you've listened it's a dialogue. If you're talking to God about something, about a need or whatever, um, amen and then you leave. You have to wait and see what He's got to say. <laughs> you know what? It's a dialogue back and forth. It's not just you doing all the talking, and God doing all the listening about everything that He already knows about you. Okay? So it's listening that you're going to learn some things from God. It should be this intimate fellowship. He desires us to be so familiar with His love that we approach Him boldly. I'm going to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. It says this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in times of need. Mercy and grace is always there but you have to obtain it. It's not automatic. Okay? That's where your faith comes in. Everything in the Bible is designed to operate by faith. The Bible says in another place, I don't have the reference, but if it's not faith, it's sin. And so we can come boldly into his throne room because of what Jesus has already done, his completed work. Most prayer today, this is my opinion now. I already kind of shared it. It's people asking for something or trying to get something. And as I said, asking and receiving is definitely part of prayer. You know, we're going to look at a scripture in Matthew 7 that talks about asking and knocking and seeking. That's part of it. But it's not the primary reason. The primary reason is to thank God, love on Him, and commune with Him. And we should spend a lot of time thanking Him for what He's already provided for us, instead of always asking for things. So, our primary purpose then should be loving and communing with God, developing our love relationship with Him. As I said, God desires this intimate relationship. We all know that but he desires that much more than he desires your service. He desires an intimate relationship with you much more than he desires your service. That's important to understand that. Hallelujah. When God saved you and I, he wasn't looking for another servant. He was looking for another son and another daughter when he saved you. He wasn't looking for another servant. He was looking to build his family, another son and another daughter. Your service is just a byproduct of your relationship with him, basically, what he's called you to do. Let me give you an example. This is over 20 years ago. These were the days when I was quite a bit younger, And I was doing 35-plus meetings in 18 days when I went to the Philippines. And that's way too many meetings. It was three meetings a day most of the time. And I was in the hospital. I can't remember why. (laughs) But I was in the hospital. And there was one day uh, after this, and then the next day I was supposed to leave. Well, that's not going to happen. I'm in a hospital for some reason that I can't tell you. I can't remember what it was. So I'm talking to God and laying in the hospital bed and whining about all these meetings, you know, are scheduled. I got the plane tickets bought, yada, 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 and I keep going on and on. And he's so gracious, he just listens to all that stuff. And finally he said, are you done? (laughs) I says, yes, sir. And then he said this to me. He says, son, you are more important to me than anything that you think you have to do for me. And he's no respecter of persons. He would say that to any one of us. So he was telling me that my health and life was more important to him than anything that I thought I had to do to them. All these meetings, all that stuff, everything had to be canceled. It wasn't a big deal to God. Me being in the hospital was, because He wants me well. He wants me healthy, so that I can do what He's asked me to do. Amen? Amen. And so, we need to realize how much He loves us. I mean, <laughs> I just said I, I don't cry easily, but I cried. I was laying in the hospital bed crying, because He said. This was more important than all those meetings and this and that and the other thing and the money for the, you know, you can get the money back most of the time if you get a doctor's thing, all of that. So we need to realize how much he cares about us. That's why I said, um, when he saved you and he saved me, he wasn't looking for another servant to do something for him. He was looking for another son and another daughter to build his family. He loves you more than our finite words can explain. He desires that intimate, I know I've said this, but husband and wife relationship, just very close relationship. And I think Psalm 100, I asked him what his goal is in prayer. And this is where he led me, Psalm 100. For the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting and His truths endure for all generations. Now we always associate that with worship, coming into His presence with thanksgiving. But when you come into prayer with Him, if I'm talking to Stephen, unless we're on the phone, we're talking in His presence. Amen? or any of you. So, when you come into his presence in prayer, come with thanksgiving. <laughs> don't be, gimme, gimme, gimme this, I have this need that he already knows about. Don't let that be the first thing out of your mouth. I'm not saying don't bring your needs to God. Of course you do that. But that's not a priority. The priority is to thank him and praise him, what, he, what he's already provided for you. Actually, he's provided everything you'll ever need in the spirit realm already. We'll get to that. So our primary focus in life is really to just commune and bless him. So that's his goal. When I ask him for his goal in prayer, this is what he gave me. But there's some problems. And we're going to look at some of them. Here's my list I was supposed to give to, the, to Elizabeth. Uh, of course, she's on the ball and got all, all the scriptures anyway. I've got one scripture at the end in Matthew 7 again that we'll look at that's not, on your, not in your notes. The obvious problems with prayer is unforgiveness and unbelief in our heart. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, Our unbelief is going to hinder your prayers. Amen? We all know that. We all know what to do with that. If you have unforgiveness, forgive. Duh. You know, if you have unbelief, you need to get in the Word and build your faith, and then pray. Those are very common hindrances. There's lots more hindrances, but those are some of the common ones. So we're going to look at a couple, a few problems that you might not have thought of before. And then we'll address, I'm just going to list some of the problems that he showed me, and then we'll talk about how to fix them. Now we're not going to talk about unforgiveness and unbelief, because that's very common, and we all know what to do about that. But people pray, this is going to mess with your theology, people pray, Believing that they will receive at some point. That's a problem. we'll, We'll address that in a minute. And they speak to God about their problem all the time. Over and over and over again. But he already knows the problem. That's one problem. Is believing that you're going to receive at some point in time. The other one is continually telling him the problem that you have in your life that he already knows about. People don't realize, this is another problem, that their needs are already met in the spirit realm. If we could just get that settled in our heart. See, God is a spirit, and he met all our needs in the spirit realm. And then he gave us faith, a measure of his faith so that we could obtain what he provided in the spirit realm and get it into the natural realm. It's not rocket science. So people don't realize that all their needs are already met. They don't realize another problem is that the primary purpose in prayer is to give thanks to God, to love on him, to commune with him, they think the purpose of prayer is to ask for things and get thanks. And that's part of it. Absolutely, that's part of it. But that's not the main primary purpose for our prayer life, or it shouldn't be. And one of the things that um, I get asked a lot in my travels is, um, does God answer prayer? Does God answer all prayers so we're going to look at Matthew 7, chapter, chapter 7, verse 7. It says, Ask, and it will be given you. This is Jesus speaking. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. That sounds just like a promise to me. Amen. So if you pray, unless it's some crazy thing, if you're praying according to the Word of God, you're going to get an answer right away. He's He loves you. and He wants to bless you. You don't have to try to twist it out of Him. You pray, and God answers. Now sometimes... Um, It's going to take a while to receive the answer. Okay? You know, I had a a lady tell me, once. she said, well, I prayed, and I believed God. I prayed the Word of God, and I believed God that I was going to receive whatever it was that she was praying for. And it didn't happen. And so I directed her to the book of Mark. Chapter 11, beginning in verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Could be translated, have the faith of God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things you ask when you pray, verse 24, when you pray, believe that you receive them now when you pray, then you will have them. That was her problem. She believed that she was going to receive, but she believed that she was going to receive it at some point down the road. You have to believe you receive it now before you see it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be faith. If you can see it, you don't need any faith for it. Amen? So when you pray for something, believe you receive it now. And then you will have it, the Bible says. So what do you do in the meantime? In the meantime, you keep knocking, you keep praying. You don't have to keep asking for the same thing. You keep thanking him for the provision. Thanking him that you've already got it. By faith. By faith. And then all of a sudden, one day, there it is! Woohoo! There's the manifestation. Praise God. That's how it's. That's how it's got to work. Her problem wasn't that she didn't have faith, but she was believing that it was going to happen down the road. And you got to believe that you have it now. Then it will happen down the road. Future tense. Maybe the next day. Maybe the next week. Maybe the next month. Maybe the next year. I've been praying for something for fifty. 60 uh almost 60 years, still haven't seen the manifestation of it. Doesn't mean it ain't going to happen. You just got to be consistent. They have bulldog faith. They don't keep biting you, they just bite once and hold on. You just got to grab a hold of the Word of God and hold on to it. No matter what things look like around you. So it may take some time for the manifestation But in the meantime, you just keep thanking God that you've got it. One thing that he's been dealing with me about is not to continually speak to God about the problem. Which is, in my opinion, what most prayer is today in the body of Christ, at least in the circles I travel in. Speak to your problem about what God has already done about it. In other words, God already knows your problem. Don't waste your time speaking to him about your problem continually. Lay out your case once for your own benefit maybe. And then speak to your problem. Find out what God says about it. Find out a promise that deals with it. Pray the promise, not the problem. The provision is in the promise. Can I get an amen? The provision is in the promise. He wants to know if you know the answer. You know, he already knows the problem, and we keep telling him that. But he wants to know if you know the answer. Find the answer in his word. Pray the answer, not the anxiety. Pray the word, not the worry. You know, oh, I got to have, you know, so much money by Friday. Worry is a sin. Let me give you an illustration. When we were building the Bible school, we built it, um, God built it debt-free. I won't say we because I didn't have anything to do with it. God built it debt-free. A little ministry like ours. Joyce Meyer could have built it out of petty cash. We had to pray for every tanny that comes in. Okay. So I got 12 to 15 laborers working every day, six days a week. On Friday, they have to be, or Saturday they have to be paid. They get paid by the week. Granted, labor was pretty cheap, eight dollars a day for labor, sun up to sundown. It's higher than that now, twice as much. But back then, when we built the school, that's what it was. So that's a bargain. But that adds up when you got 12 or 15 guys. At the end of the week, you owe between seven dollars and $800 just in labor costs. Then you've got the material costs, the ongoing cost of that. And so you can double that for sure. Most of the time, it was 1000 or $1,200 a week. So at the end of the month, you've got a bunch of money that's going through your hands. So I'm saying to God... Um I need more money. I gotta pay these guys on Saturday, you know, eight hundred dollars. I got another thousand dollars for materials. He didn't say nothing. So I told him again, I thought maybe he didn't hear me. And he says, son, you don't need more money. I might have shared this with you in some of my other messages. I said, but sir, and I started detailing everything. (laughs) Like he don't already know that. You know, how much each laborer got, what it was for the week, and what it would be at the end of the month, and all of that. I says, Lord, what do you mean I don't need any money? After I laid that all out again. He says, you need more faith. People, faith is the most, high-priced thing that you have, it's worth more than your house and your car and your nest egg and all that put together. Because if you have faith, real faith, you can get anything at any time that you need. Because the need is already met in the spirit realm. You just have to get it from there to here. <clears throat> so God has done basically everything for us. All he asks us to do is believe to get it from one realm to the other. And that's called the prayer of faith. So what I was doing was telling him all about my problem over and over again, which he already knew everything. <laughs> what he wanted to know if I knew the answer. So I started praying all of my needs according to your riches and glory are met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we never missed the payment. That's got to be a God thing. Okay? That school was built block by block. You know, we have to buy re-rod and concrete. Concrete is made there, but re-rod, anything um, metal is, is, uh, has to be imported. They make their own cement blocks and stuff like that. But um <clears throat> so anyway, I wanna get a read of scripture just a reminder in Proverbs um, eighteen twenty one. Proverbs eighteen twenty one, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So if you're gonna pray prayers that bring life, you have to pray. Like, pray promises of God. They release life into your situation. If you're praying the problem, which I was doing, all it did was make my problem bigger. It seemed like the $800 was 8000 you know. And, but as soon as I changed what I was praying, my way of praying, everything started to work out. And it's all to God's glory. I, was, I began to speak life into the situation and it just turned around like night and day. Instead of struggling to make those payments, um, the money was just there. It just came from all kinds of sources. So, you know, if you're having trouble in that area, maybe you want to change the way you're praying. I'm not telling you not to ask for things now. I'm just saying that should not be our priority. And we'll see that a little clearer as we go on. In John, John chapter 19, verse 30, it says this. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Okay. So when he said it was finished, we get that our salvation was completed by Jesus. He paid for our sins. We get that by his stripes we are healed, took care of our healing. What most people don't get is that our total provision was provided for in a spirit realm. It is finished. Everything you and I are ever going to need has already been provided there. All we have to do is pray a prayer of faith to bring it to this realm. See, God is a spirit, and so He supplies our needs in the spirit realm. Amen. Amen. And second, uh, second Peter. I thought I had it marked. Second <clears throat> Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which having been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. So the provision is in the promise. God has provided everything for us pertaining to life and godliness. Everything was provided in the atonement. And we just receive it uh, into the natural realm through this prayer of faith, the faith that he gave us. We're going to look at a faith scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, It says this. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith brings substance to things that are hoped for. You know, you hope that you're going to get healed in the service today. Well, faith will bring substance to that. One of the words used to describe that in the Greek is title deed. It's translated title deed. If I have the title deed um, to this property, I own it. That's proof of ownership. Amen? When God looks in your heart... And he sees the title deed. That's proof to him that you have faith for whatever it is you're praying for. It adds substance to whatever it is you're hoped for. He always deals with the heart. He'll look in your heart. And he sees the title deed in there. That's proof of ownership. You have whatever it is that you're praying for. Got awful quiet in here. Don't get mad at me. That's the way he designed it. Faith is the substance, the title deed of things hoped for, the evidence, the tangible, physical proof of something that's unseen. One of the things, uh, another thing that I get asked a lot when I'm traveling is, how long do I pray for something? You know, I've been praying like six months, I've been praying two years, whatever. We all like to see answers right away. And I always tell them, push. Pray until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. Either God will tell you not to pray anymore about that. He's told people in the Bible not to pray for other people. 'Cause he you know, he was gonna do some things there. If if we don't receive from God, there's nothing wrong with his signal. There's nothing wrong with his answer, because he's perfect. It's just like your radio signal. Um, you can be listening to your radio and driving down the road and all of a sudden you're in a certain area and you don't get reception. There's interference or something. And it's the same thing with our prayers. Uh, if there was time, we would go to Daniel and look at that. He had a prayer answered in three minutes and another one took three weeks or so. So why is that? Because there was interference. The enemy was interfering. So, you know, you need to be discerning about what's going on Sometimes. So I don't do much quoting, but I want to quote a man named Andrew Womack. If you never heard of him, he has a ministry in Colorado, um, Andrew Womack Ministries. He has a big Bible school there called Karis Bible School. And uh, he's had several people raised from the dead, including his own son. And so he's somebody I want to listen to. Um, this is what he said. Quote, "Um, You need to get this attitude. God is faithful. He's already met your need before you ever had it. Boldness, confidence, and faith will arise up in your heart as you realize, this is what I want you to get, that God's supply is always greater than your need. God's supply is always greater than your need. God's supply is always greater than your need. Hallelujah. If we could just settle that in our hearts, you know, that everything is supplied in the spirit realm and it's greater than any need that we'll ever have. (laughs) It'd be so freeing for us. So just remember that our primary reason for prayer is to commune with God. Thank Him for all that He's provided for us. And part of it is asking for things and receiving. I get that. But that should not be our primary thing. That should not be the first thing that comes out of our mouth. Thanksgiving enters gates with thanksgiving for all that He's done for us. Hallelujah. And there's a great illustration um, in the Bible about this that's found in Acts chapter 16. Dan alluded to it earlier about um, Paul and Silas. Let me give you a little bit of background on Paul and Silas. They were uh, beaten with rods. And, uh, you know, if you ever got hit with a stick or something, you know what that's like. These are steel rods. Or wooden rods, I don't know. I'm old, but not that old. So anyway, they were beaten with these rods. So you can imagine what their backs looked like and their sides, maybe. Um, And then they were thrown into prison. They were thrown into prison, which... Um, in what we would call maximum security today. And these prisons were not like our prisons today. They had no windows. They had no light. They were probably rat-infested. Dirty, filthy places. And their feet were put in stocks. So they had some serious pernades, amen? Uh, serious pernades. Serious Okay, let me read this, beginning at uh, Acts 16, verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So instead of, it doesn't say what they were praying, but based on what they did right after that, singing hymns to God, they were probably thanking God that they were worthy to receive a beating for Jesus. Jesus. That kind of a thing. and other places in the Bible, it talks about that. I'm just guessing. But I'm... You know, and then they just started praising God and singing hymns to Him. And the other prisoners were listening. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. So God shook the prison. They didn't ask for that. They just were praising and thanksgiving to God. Amen. (laughs) They were thanking God in the midst of their dire situation. They were thanking God and singing hymns to Him. And God shook the prison. And the doors flew open, woke up the jailer, all the chains dropped off, the stocks came off. And here's the miracle. That's one miracle second miracle is the prisoners were all there nobody left if you were in a dark hole like that and a door was open you know, i'd be the first one out probably but they all just stayed there they were mesmerized by what paul and silas had done and they were probably overwhelmed at what god had done the prison shook You ever been in an earthquake? It's a pretty helpless feeling. Your coffee cup goes across the table right down. Dan, we were in one a couple years ago over the seas, and we go outside, and the buildings are up like this. (laughs) Instead of getting killed inside, we would have got killed outside if the building would have come down. At least we'd have been outside. Anyway, curtains start swaying. I've been in a couple of them over there, but this was a good one, and shook the prison so much so that um, the chains come off. And, you know, those angels were at work doing things, miraculous things. And so, remember, they didn't ask for anything. Notice that they just were worshiping and praising God. Suddenly, this great earthquake happened. And the guard was sleeping, so I just woke him up, of course. And he sees the doors open, and this is maximum security. So now his life is going to be taken by the, those in charge. So he pulls his sword out. He's going to kill himself. That's all over. And he can't see in the prison because there are black holes. They're just dark. And Paul hollers out of the prison don't harm yourself, for we're all here. Put your sword away. What? You're all here. He went in and fell down before Paul and Silas. What must I do to be saved? And you know the story, him and his household were saved. And probably a lot of the prisoners were too. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Paul called that out he, Then he he went in with his light, brought a light in there and fell before him. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. How easy is that? Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. People make it so hard. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Now they're first getting some medical attention. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced having believed in God and all of his household. And I submit to you that it doesn't tell us this, but I submit to you that probably most of those prisoners were saved as well. I mean, this was pretty dynamic. They'd never seen anything like that before, I can guarantee that. So my point in reading this scripture about Paul and Silas, would you agree that they had plenty of serious needs? I mean, beaten with rods, put in this dark prison with no light, feet in stocks, smelly, filthy place, probably infested with rats, who knows, and their backs and sides, they're still bleeding from the rods. So they had plenty of prayer needs, but they didn't ask for anything. They just praised God, loved on him, sang hymns to him and their needs were met. Plus the jailer and his family was saved probably a lot of prisoners. I want to go back to uh, Matthew 7. Uh, This one's not on your list over there, Elizabeth, I'm sorry. Matthew 7, chapter 7, right where we were. And I want to read verses 9 to 11. Jesus was speaking here. He says, Oh, what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If your father and your son asks you for something, you're not going to give him something harmful. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a scorpion. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So there it's talking about asking again. Asking is OK. I'm just saying it's not our primary purpose. It's not the majority of what we should be doing in prayer, is asking all the time. OK? It's OK. It just shouldn't be the number one thing. The number one thing should be giving God thanks and praise for all that He's done for us. Hallelujah, all of His provision. I mean there's nothing that I'm ever gonna need in this life that he hasn't already provided. That really gives me peace. And if I don't receive it, it's not because he didn't answer it. It's because my was something wrong with my receiver. Amen. When you're going and your radio signal disappears, it's because you can't receive it because there's interference or something wrong with your radio. It's not because the signal was no good. It's out there. Amen? It's the same kind of a thing. So this is the third closing. So in closing now, I submit to you that the majority of our prayers, if our majority of our prayers were loving, praising, and thanking God, worshiping Him for what He has already provided for us, if we did that regularly, I submit to you that we would have a lot less things to ask for. We would have a lot less things to ask for. Because they just would be provided. And I found that true in my life. I'm not telling you you have to do everything the way I do it. I'm just telling you what worked for me. I learned the lessons the hard way. I used to be, just repeat my problem over and over. And he taught me that lesson when I was building the Bible school i already know all these things you know but do you know the answer and i did i started praying the answer everything changed everything changed hallelujah so i'm just saying if the majority of our prayers would be thanksgiving and praise to god <clears throat> we probably wouldn't have near as many things to pray for. i got five things that I want you to take home with you today from this message. Number one, settle it in your heart that your need is already met in the spirit realm, that God's provision is bigger than your need. Just settle that in your heart. It's done. It is finished, he said. Not just our salvation, not just our healing. Everything we'll ever need has been provided by the Lord, Jesus Christ. The only way we can enter his throne room is because we're wrapped in the robes of righteousness of Jesus Christ by the grace of God. Otherwise, we would be dead before we got to the door. Number two, be sure when you pray that you believe you receive now. Faith is now. You receive it now. You might not see it for two weeks or two months or whatever, but you receive it now when you pray. You believe you have it. In in my case, I just thank Him that I have it. When I pray for it the next day, I thank Him that I have that request. Hallelujah. Number three, speak to your problem about what God says about it. In other words, pray the promise, not the problem. Pray the answer, not the anxiety. Pray the word, not the worry. Hallelujah. Number four, start your prayers with thanksgiving and praise. In the worship team, you can come. Begin thanking and praising God. That's how you want to start. He's so worthy, as we heard earlier. Um, Just begin thanking Him and praising Him. Start your prayers that way. For all that He's already provided. In other words, enter His gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Hallelujah. For all that He's done for you. And number five, the last one, is remember that you're not done praying until you listen. You're not done praying until you listen. I found out more by listening than I have by listing all my stuff that I need. Lord, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your provision We thank you that you have given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And we pray, Lord, that you would empower us by your Spirit afresh and anew today to take that good news to the world, Lord God. To our neighbors, to the people in the grocery store that we meet at the gas station, wherever we might find ourselves, Lord God. Hallelujah. And we give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor for your total and complete provision in Christ Jesus. Amen.